admired him as a man of God with extraordinary insights into the work of God and boundless enthusiasm for communicating the Word of God. It was a great personal loss for me when Paul left us, and I feel privileged to recommend this stimulating series of talks which he gave at the village church I once pastored in suburban Chicago. In his unique way, Paul describes the electricity of Christ's claim that he is the solution to the moral power failure of our time. Then he shows how Jesus Christ speaks to us today as clearly as he did to the thief on the cross. You too can be with me in paradise. Maybe you have stood on the perimeter of Christianity and questioned what it is all about. Is it really true? Does it have any pertinence to my life? What happens if I ignore it? Or perhaps you have been discouraged in the past by some ponderous, cliché-ridden explanations. This book, then, is for you. You will find here an authenticity that comes from a man who was unconditionally devoted to Jesus Christ. Billy Graham Part 1. Eight Bottom-Line Truths Truth 1. Inner Direction Needed Does a Car Need a Driver? Ask any ten people what makes a person a Christian, and you'll get ten different answers. These words came out of my mouth unexpectedly at a dinner table where a group of friends, old and new, were relaxing over a third cup of coffee. The air was filled with lively conversation on an array of subjects. My wife and I knew the hosts well, but the others were new to us. Unexpectedly, one of the guests turned to me and asked what I was writing on. At that moment, all I could think of to describe the ideas for this book was the above statement. Ask any ten people what makes a person a Christian, and you'll get ten different answers. My new friend nodded his head with genuine sincerity, saying, I'd be interested in having it boiled down for my thinking, too. As we talked, this gentleman soberly posed some stimulating questions about God and faith and how we acquire these ideas. We met again later, and it was evident he was starting on a quest to sort out the true from the false. Without overdoing it, here is a sampling of definitions I've heard in fraternities, university halls, and other places as I've traveled with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Some ideas may have a grain of truth. Others give a far from accurate picture. I've heard a Christian is A. A Gentile anyone not Jewish or an adherent of one of the world's major religions. Would an atheist like Madeline Murray O'Hare want to be called a Christian? B. Someone who was born and raised in a Christian home or country, or who inherited their faith. Can faith be passed on through childbirth? C. A person who goes to church. Does going into a garage make you a car? D. Someone who practices rituals such as baptism, communion, or Bible reading. These activities may have value, but is the all-wise personal God in the picture? E. One who follows the golden rule and leads a moral life. Many good moral people try to live by the golden rule, yet make no claim to be Christians. Does merely following the teachings of Jesus give us a one-on-one connection with him? F. 
a person who abstains from specific external, so-called worldly practices. A long list of don'ts or prohibitions might be seen as characteristic of some Christians. How does an emphasis on negatives fit in with Jesus Christ's message, I have come that they may have life, and have it to the full? John chapter 10, verse 10. G. Someone who gives casual intellectual assent to a certain list of beliefs. This could be a casual assent to the idea of God and Jesus Christ, like saying, Oh yes, I believe all that I heard in church. Is belief a tentative list of ideas without a personal interchange or connection between the individual and God? Other ideas may come to our minds, but they further emphasize the importance of providing a clear answer to our beginning question. What makes a person a Christian? Some time ago I gave a talk at Queen's University.